This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I'm gonna hate it. Presented by Bonide, Quickcrete, We Ship Floors, and Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now because we are here to help you with your home improvement projects. If you got a do it yourself dilemma, you don't know how to get started on the project, you don't know if you can do it yourself or you need a pro, give us a call at 888 Money Pit. Whether it's inside or out, we're here to help you do the job once, do it right so you don't have to do it again. You can just go about your business enjoying that home. Coming up on today's show, summer is a season when we tend to put a lot of stress on our electrical systems. So we're going to share three pro projects that can help make sure your wiring is up for the job. And if your garden is growing, but also playing host to a host of bugs, we're going to share tips to send them packing. Plus, concrete surfaces rarely need maintenance, but if yours has cracks... Those cracks need to be sealed properly to prevent water from getting in and making them worse. We'll tell you how to do just that. But first, we want to hear what you are working on. So give us a call and let us lend a hand. It doesn't have to be so hard, guys. We can help you out. The number is one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Harrison, Kansas. You've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Hey, um, I have some uh, tree roots in my yard that are growing close to the surface, and they're exposed to where when I mow, I have to kind of mow over them, mow around them. Right. And just don't know what to do. What, what would be the best way to get the yard back where it needs to be, and what do you guys think? How much do you like that tree? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not that committed to the tree. I'm not. <laughs> it's like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. You know, once it once it grows, you you can't really cut them back. They're there for a purpose, and so you have to figure out a way to live with it, or or you know, create a bed around it, or mulch around it, or maybe you know, have it be less lawn and and, and more you know, like a mulched bed or something of that nature. But you, even if you add soil over it, it's still going to kind of keep continue to grow up and pop through it. So that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to a, a big, healthy tree like that. Eventually, depending on the type of tree, it'll eventually it'll come out of the ground like that and start to uh, impact your lawn. Put a bed around it, and yeah, maybe a, maybe a nice circular bench around the tree, you know, or something of that nature. Oh. That's a good idea. Yeah, you can find those. They 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 basically are sold like so that they split in half, and you can put them around the tree. And you know, depending on the diameter of the tree, you want to try to get one that's uh, you know that fits right. But it, it could be really an attractive feature. You got to roll with it. You know, figure out a way to make it look like it was always supposed to be there. <laughs> You're waiting all these years for those roots to pop up so that you can put a bench. Yeah, I wanted the tree to there. do that. Yeah, that's right. Okay, there you go. That's the spirit. That sounds great. That's a good idea. I like that. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at eighty-eight. Money Pit. 
Now we've got Lorraine from Vermont on the line, who's got some ants invading her money pit. How can we help you today? I have them out in my flower beds. I have them on my front and back lawn. There's a lot of uh, sand here around my house. Right. And I am wondering what I could do to get rid of them. Are they getting into the house as well? No, they are not in the house. All right. Well, that's good news. So, look, there are ways that you can work with this using sort of over-the-counter products, but I would recommend a different direction. The insecticides today have become so sophisticated and so accurate and so able to target specifically the insect that you're dealing with that it's really worthwhile having a professional apply these insecticides. One in particular that actually we just used at my mom's house. Well, not we. I mean, I hired somebody to do this. It's called Termidor, T-E-R-M-I-D-O-R. And I'm very familiar with this insecticide because it's one that uh, is a part of a class called an, an, an undetectable. So the way it works is in the old days, we'd spray insecticides that would repel the ants or kill them on, on site. And they would sort of know it was there, so it was detectable. Well, these new insecticides are undetectable. So as a result, the ants go through the insecticide, and then they get it on their bodies, and they bring it back to the nest, and then they share it with the other insects in the nest. So just getting some ants to go through it basically takes it back to the nest and wipes out the whole nest. So it's a very effective way to try to control the ant populations uh, around your house. I don't know that I would go so far as to do it in my whole yard unless it was, you know, really bothering me. But generally you do this right around your, your, the perimeter of your home to try to minimize them in that area and stop them from potentially going into the house. You haven't seen them yet, but if you've got that many, I, I can almost guarantee that they're in the house. All right, Lorraine, does that help you out? That does. I actually tried. Someone had told me to use borax and sugar. Yeah, uh, that's, you know, one of the home remedies that I mentioned. And borax does work, but it's just not nearly as effective as a product like Termidor. Good luck with the project. Thank you so much. Elvis from Texas is on the line. He is in the building, and he has a question (laughs) about plumbing. Elvis, what can we do for you? Uh, My wife and I had a house built, uh, started back in early 2005, and it's uh, in Lubbock. Houses are, are made on concrete slabs. Yep. Before they poured the slab, they put in a, all the plumbing was installed. And instead of copper plumbing, which was in kind of short supply back in 2005, the going thing then was called Kitec. I think it's K-I-T-E-C. And it's a, it's a double-walled plastic pipe with aluminum in the center. Uh, instead of regular connections, it uses, uh, my understanding, a bronze connector. And... We've had a couple of small problems with the plumbing, but it seems as though I've read that the bronze can cause a desinkification in the copper, and I'm wondering if there's been any studies done, if there's different fittings that can be replaced. If the plumbing has to be replaced, uh, it'd be very labor-intensive to go underneath the house, and we get down to fairly low winters, maybe to zero, and I don't think I'd want any plumbing overhead where it could freeze. Or if you have any suggestions or thoughts. Yeah, Elvis, the problem with Kitec plumbing is, as you suspect, the late, the fittings will leak. Now, what's interesting is that Kitec starts with PEX, which is cross-linked polyethylene, which by itself, and as installed today, is actually an excellent plumbing pipe with fittings that don't leak. But the Kitec system has definitely had a history of leaking. In fact, 
Uh, there are many class action lawsuits over that product that are active and going on around the country. You certainly should investigate those that you may qualify to join. Unfortunately, your solutions only include really replacing it. And what I would advise you to do is to only replace it where it's accessible. I mean, I wouldn't create the emergency if the emergency doesn't exist. So I'm not going to tell you to tear open your walls and pull all the plumbing out and start from scratch. But I would say that if you do happen to be doing a bathroom renovation or you open a wall and you find Kitech, it should be sort of a matter of course where you always replace it. Because it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. Not use on it here, but kind of what I suspect. Yep. Unfortunately, that's the case. Every once in a while, we get a, a, a building product like that, and I've seen it happen many times over the years. And there's just no way to make it better because at its core, it's a defective system. Okay, no way to just replace the fittings. It's just going to be the pipe itself people will have problems. That's correct. So I would attach it to a plumbing, to copper piping, or to traditional PEX piping. Okay, so I can talk with some local plumbers and, and discuss it from that point. Exactly. I hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Give us a call now at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, where it's easy to find top-rated local home pros for any home project. Go to HomeAdvisor.com. Just ahead, summer is the time when we put a lot of stress on our electrical systems. We're going to share three projects that can help make sure your wiring is up for the job in today's pro project, presented by HomeAdvisor.com, next. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one money pit presented by HomeAdvisor. So, Leslie, you know how uh, we always think that kitchen renovations are probably one of the most expensive projects you can do in your home? Yeah, they can be. So I took on a kitchen reno, actually uh, an update of cabinets that turned out to cost me about uh, maybe with the new hardware, we're talking maybe 50 bucks. That's all you just did the hardware makeover to freshen, sort of change the jewelry. Nope. Nope. I, I did. I did that, but here's what I did. So my friend had a house 30 years old. 
there were oak cabinets in the kitchen and the oak cabinets consisted of an oak frame and then like an oak veneer door. I mean, you could think of it as a plywood door. It's not really plywood, but it had oak veneer on the front and back of the door, flat panel. So what we did was, because the oak was looking a little worn, but like not in terrible shape, but just kind of worn and tired, maybe a little dirty from just the exposure of, you know, the cooking grease and stuff over the years. We pulled all the doors and drawers off, pulled all the hardware off, got a sander out, and sanded with very fine uh, grit sandpaper with a palm sander, like 180 grit, sanded mm-hmm. the front and back of each door and drawer front. Then I noticed that when we did that, these were sort of a honey oak color. We were kind of cutting through. And you know with veneer, you got to be really careful, right? Because you'll cut through to the core underneath. We were cutting through the stain and leaving sort of like these white, almost checkered marks throughout the surface. I said, uh-huh, oh. I know what we're going to do with this. So I got a small can of uh, golden oak stain Minwax. I wiped down the cabinet fronts and backs with the golden oak stain, filled in all of those places where we had exposed some of the raw wood, three coats of polyurethane, and we were done. It looks fantastic. And, you know, didn't need a lot of polyurethane because there's only the doors and drawer fronts. So 50 bucks, new hinges, looks great. So you don't have to spend a ton of money. If you're a little creative like that and want to take on a kitchen update, you can do it. A little bit of sweat equity. That's your expense here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. What a great project. Pat and I was on the line with a question about painting. What can we do for you today? Uh, Yes, I uh, would like to paint my aluminum siding on my home. I can't afford to side it right now. And I was wondering if it's possible to paint aluminum siding. Absolutely. There's no reason you can't paint aluminum siding. What you want to do is clean the house really well, power wash it perhaps, and then you're going to have to prime that siding. That's really important. Otherwise, nothing is going to stick. Exactly. So you need to do a primer coat. Okay. Well, what what kind of primer? Well, you're going to use a primer that's designed to work with the paint that you select. So, for example, if you're going to work with the Benjamin Moore family of paints, you're going to use a Benjamin Moore primer. Okay. And the primer is the glue. It's the adhesive coat. That's what makes the paint stick. And then you put the top coat on top of that. Now, will this peel on the south side where the sun hits? No, not if you do a good job on the prep. You know, that's why we're telling you to prime it. It's you, because, and because the siding is metal, that paint job should last you a good eight to ten years. It lasts less if it's an organic material like wood siding, but with metal siding, it can last a long time if it's done well. Oh, good. That's a good thing to know. Okay. I wasn't sure I could even do it. I thought maybe it would just peel right off. Now, the power wash, is that just, um, I'd have to hire somebody to probably do that. Yeah. I mean, unless you unless you happen to have your own pressure washer, yeah, you'd have to hire somebody to do that. And they'll use a detergent and clean off any dirt and debris and algae and so on that's on the, on the metal. And you let it dry really, really well. Then you prime, then you paint. I mean, it's a big project, Pat. You know, if if you're not comfortable with, uh, you know, 10-foot, 20-foot ladders, depending on how high your house is, you might want to hire a painter to do this. No, I'd probably hire someone else to do it, but do you think it'd be real expensive, or would I be better off to find a good vinyl siding man to put? Well, I think that you don't have to side the house. You don't have to put siding. You can paint this house and paint it successfully, and I think it will be less expensive than, than siding. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, summer's the season when we put a lot of stress on our electrical systems. We've got three projects that can help make sure your wiring is up for the job in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. All right. First up, it's a really popular time to install a new room air conditioner. But before you do that, 
need to make sure that the circuit you're plugging into can take the additional electrical load. You know, air conditioners use a lot of power, and it's very common to need to run an additional circuit to be able to handle that additional electricity that you need to run the unit. Otherwise, you might find that the circuits are tripping every time maybe you have the air conditioning on and you're trying to vacuum the room or run a hairdryer or turn on just about any other appliance that needs a good share of that power. Now, the good news is that adding a circuit is not really that difficult for an electrician, and it's a project that uh, can get done pretty easily. I can remember before we had the central air and updated the wiring in the house, I would, anytime I had the air conditioning on and wanted to blow dry my hair, I'd have to just turn off the air conditioning. It was yeah, always right? like a, and that's wh- why. Yeah. which is more important right now <laughs> decision. <laughs> you know, next, summer's also the time when we really need electricity outside a lot more. And if your outlets aren't ground fault circuit protected, you're facing a serious risk of electrical shock. Now, adding those GFCI outlets is really an important way to manage that risk. They're going to work differently than regular outlets. In fact, if a GFCI outlet senses any diversion of current to the ground source, which could be you, it's going to instantly turn off and protect you from getting a shock. Now, electricians can upgrade those outlets by adding GFCIs as well as AFCI outlets, and those are arc fault circuit interrupters. And that's going to take the further step of protecting your home from an electrical fire. Really important stuff, guys. Now, finally, summer is the vacation season, and it's a good time to make sure you have security security lighting in place, and also make sure that your lighting has motion sensors so it's going to come on when anything crosses its path. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area and compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Doug in Connecticut's looking at a couple of different roofing options. What can we do for you today? I have a shed, a good-sized shed that has asphalt shingles on it. And I was thinking about going with metal, but I want to know cost-wise, advantage, disadvantage, the weather. So how about if you guys fill me in on that? A metal roof is a lifetime roof. Once you put a metal roof on, you're never going to have to replace it. They're expensive, but it's uh, designed to last, you know, between 50 and 100 years. The other advantage to metal roofs today is that the finish on the roofs, uh, they use a low E coating on it. So that means in the summertime, it reflects the sun and helps keep the house cooler. And of course, it's incredibly durable. You know, no matter what you throw at a metal roof, it, it really does stand up well. So, you know, it's a great roof. If you want to make that investment, go ahead. It's just uh, going to be a lot more expensive than asphalt shingles. Yeah. Uh, are we talking like twice as Now, pro- probably, I would say at least three times as much, maybe more. Yeah, it's yeah. pricey. Okay. Well, like I say, I, you know, I listen to you guys all the time, and I, I kind of get a kick out of you know, all the different questions people throw at you, and you guys are all All right, well, I'm glad we can help you out. Thanks. Very good. Thanks a lot. Priscilla in Massachusetts is on the line, and while we all love birdhouses, guess who else likes them? Squirrels. Let's help her keep them out. What can we do for you today? They've chewed away at the holes of it so that they actually have made it, uh, the holes bigger, and because of that, the birds are not going in there because the squirrel can go in there. So I, I've already tried PVC piping because I figured that's something I can put in there, insert it, and just in the hole, and it's not too big, kind of narrow. But um, 
I can't find one that fits. I mean, most of the solutions for bird feeders or bird houses are, are really in two categories. One, they make it rather unpleasant for the squirrel to be able to get up that high with things like cones or plastic bottles or slippery pipes or or ducks or slinkies or things like that that slide around and make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Or simply move it completely away from where squirrels can get to it. So, for example, if you were to string a wire between two trees and not have overhanging branches above, the squirrels would never be able to get to that birdhouse. Could I have, do you know of something I can insert in the hole, though? Right, but if you insert it in the hole, the squirrels are still going to hang out in that birdhouse, and they might try to chew their, 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 their way in via another area. Right. So that's why I'm saying that I, I would not focus on reinforcing the birdhouse as much as I would focus on moving it to an area that's less, less likely to be attacked by squirrels. Priscilla, thanks so much for calling us at 188-MONEY-PIT. Just ahead, if your garden is growing but also playing host to a host of bugs, we're going to share some tips to send them packing. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The Money Pit is presented by Quick Creek Fast Setting Concrete Mix in the red bag. Make your next outdoor concrete project quick and easy. Quick Creek Fast Setting Concrete Mix. Look for it in the red bag. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, now that we're well into beautiful weather, are you beginning to harvest fresh vegetables from your garden, only to find out that you're not the first one to take a bite? Well, there's a wide variety of invasive insects who make themselves very comfortable on a diet of your homegrown produce. But to show them the door, you need to select an insecticide that's most effective and safe to use. With us to talk about that is Jim Wood, the lawn and garden expert for Bonide, a company that's been helping homeowners keep invasive pests away and more now for over 90 years. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Leslie. And how are you, Tom? Thanks for having me on your show. Hey, you're very welcome. That's a pretty depressing moment when you start to uh, get some uh, produce out of your garden, only to take a look and find out that it's been partially eaten by the wide variety of insects that uh, love to chomp on that stuff as much as we do. When does the process start with trying to keep those insects away? Is it something that you do early on when you're planting the garden, Jim, or is it something that you do when the garden is close to harvest? What's the best way to to try to stop those invasive species from getting a hold on? The ideal scenario, Tom, is once the plant has its first set of mature leaves, so it's rather young, shall I say, or if the homeowner is buying a plant in a four-inch pot or in a market pack and they plant it in their, in their vegetable garden, once it's in and starting to grow, 
they need to start making an application of an insecticide to control insects because the insects will find those plants quickly after that plant has uh, started to grow. Now, Jim, you've got to be really careful about what you're using on these plants since these are going to be for eating. So how do you know that something is, you know, smart to use on an edible item that's growing in your yard? Well, Leslie, with that, going to a garden center, farm feed store, hardware store, they can recommend the correct insecticide to control those insects. The ideal scenario is they could use a product like Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, which is an all-natural insecticide that's highly effective on chewing insects that predominate themselves in vegetable gardens. So that would be my recommendation. It's got a great name, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brews. Sounds like there's a story behind that. How long has the product been around, and how did it get started? Tom, it's been around for quite some time now. It actually started, a scientist found an area in the Caribbean on an island that he was on vacation. He was touring in an abandoned rum distillery, and he noticed there were no insects. So he so he took samples of the soil and brought them back to the states, and this is how they developed spinosid, which is the active ingredient in Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. And when you look at our label on that product, it has a Caribbean motif oh, okay. to our label. And that's where it came from. That's pretty interesting. Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. We love to grow tomatoes, and the Jersey tomato, of course, is famous for being such a good eating tomato. But we get these tomato hornworms, which if you've ever seen them up close, they look like little dinosaurs. How do you control those? Does this product uh, stop them as well? Yeah, this product easily controls tomato hornworm. And if and since you're experienced with that insect, that larva stage of the butterfly, which is what that uh, insect turns into, can devour a tomato plant pretty quick. would highly recommend the use of Captain Jack's on any vegetable plant to control chewing insects. Now, does it matter when you apply it? Should it be early in the morning? Should it be, like, does the time of day matter? I feel like I'd be so confused about this, and those tomato hornworms really just are the scariest-looking things ever. Well, one of the things, Leslie, about vegetable plants, to eat the fruit or vegetables that we harvest off of them, those plants bloom, and they're pollinated by beneficial insects. Beneficial insects normally visit those flowers from early morning until late in the day, meaning sometime around evening, early evening. The ideal scenario, if you're spraying vegetable plants that are being visited by beneficials, is you make the application sometime after dinner time. So sometime after 6 p.m., let's say, uh, so that there's minimal amount of beneficials visiting the flower. That's the ideal scenario. That makes perfect sense. The product is called Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. It's an all-natural alternative to synthetic insecticides, and it works on many different types of plants and will control a wide range of those troublesome insects. If you'd like to learn more, the website is bonide.com, B-O-N-I-D-E.com. Jim Wood, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you, Tom and Leslie. And may you all be bug-free. Up next, concrete surfaces rarely need maintenance, but if yours has cracked... Those cracks really do need to be properly sealed to prevent water from getting in and making it all worse. We're going to tell you how after this. You live in a body pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. 
Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Bonide. Got fleas? Use Bonide's flea beater products for outdoor, indoor, and on the pet control of fleas, ticks, and more. Bonide products are family made in America and available at a retailer near you or visit bonide.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now at 1 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor. Find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of Home Advisor's top-rated pros for free. Heading on over to Clinton, Texas. How can we help you today? Would like some recommendations on a good waterproofing for uh, the capstones on my roof. It's uh, my house is a commercial style building with um, a flat roof, and the parapet has crowned with capstone. And I need to waterproof that. And I have um, an exterior that is ephus, and it needs a good waterproofing. And then part of the home's exterior is also terracotta block. I think the concrete is letting the water soak down into it, and then when it freezes, it shatters. All right. Well, starting with the capstone, okay, at the parapet wall, what you want to use is simply a silicone-based sealer for that since it's a masonry product. So a silicone waterproofing Sealer for masonry is what you would use there. Now, the more difficult matter is when you mention that you have EFS, and EFS is exterior insulated foam siding. This is that siding that looks like stucco, but it's not. It's foam. Now, do you happen to live in a home that's masonry, or is it a wood structure? No, it is built all out of these huge concrete blocks that you would normally see in commercial. All right, good, because... Because if you were living in a wood structure that had that same type of siding, I would say you had a serious problem on your hand because the stuff leaks like a sieve. 
Um, I am not sure what the appropriate coating would be for EFs over a masonry surface, but I know that there's not as much concern about leakage because even if it does get in, it typically gets into the joints, um, that it's going to strike the masonry underneath and not cause rot. The problem with that stuff is when you, when you put it on a wood house, the moisture gets into the sheathing and studs, and it causes decay, which is serious trouble. So I can't help you about that. Now, what was the third part of your question about the cracks? I have some terracotta, some decorative terracotta in the walls around mostly the pool. And, the, um, and that terracotta has a concrete capstone also, but water is seen to getting, in, is getting into some of the terracotta, and then when it freezes in the wintertime, breaks the terracotta apart. I wonder if there's ever been a sealer put on that, because if you put the wrong sealer on it, that very condition happens. Um, if you put a, a sealer on that's not vapor permeable, which is a type of sealer, the water gets in, but it doesn't evaporate out. You're never going to completely 100% um, waterproof your, your terracotta block. But if you put the type of sealer on that's vapor permeable, then that allows moisture to evaporate out. So I think that's what you're going to need to do. All right. Okay, Clint? Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, concrete and masonry surfaces are very durable materials that need very little maintenance. But if your concrete driveway or walk, the foundation or brick is cracked, those cracks need to be properly sealed to prevent water from getting in and making them worse. Now, when water does get into those cracks, what happens is it can freeze and expand, especially in winter, and that helps the cracks get bigger every single year. Plus, that water gets under the surfaces and like walks and driveways. That can lead to sagging and settlement and even more cracks as time goes on. So you want to seal them up. Yeah, now Quickrete makes a comprehensive line of commercial-grade sealants and adhesives that will suit any concrete or masonry repair that you need. Now, there's a sealant for pretty much every type of crack, For example, there's a self-leveling sealant, which is great for those horizontal cracks and expansion joints in concrete, and it's going to give you a smooth level finish in 60 minutes. Now, for cracks in mortar joints or on foundations and brick walls, there's also a mortar joint sealant. That's going to permanently seal and waterproof that joint, and it gives you a textured finish that's going to dry in about an hour. And if you're dealing with concrete cracks like in a driveway or a walkway or maybe the basement floor of a garage, there's also a concrete crack sealant that's designed especially to seal and waterproof those surfaces. So you need to choose the right product for the type of crack, but it's real important that you get this done so that it doesn't get any worse. Now, Quickrete's line of commercial-grade sealants and adhesives are solvent and isocyanate-free for an environmentally friendly solution to traditional polyurethane technologies. You're going to find them at home centers and lumber yards throughout the U.S. for between 6 and $8 a tube. Quickrete is what America is made of. Learn more at quickrete.com. Lisa from Delaware is on the line with a chimney question. Lisa, what can we do for you today? I have two chimneys. One is a uh, brick chimney. And the other one was a stucco chimney. I recently had them both repaired. The, the brick chimney needed to be uh, repointed. And uh, above the brick chimney, underneath the uh, stainless steel cap, I guess, I don't know if it's cement or mortar, but that was all cracked. And in the winter, um, the ice would form between the cracks. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I had that repaired. The other chimney that was stucco had a hairline crack in it. And they suggested restuccoing the chimney and uh, stippling it, which is like a popcorn ceiling type of an effect. Right. Mm -hmm. So all that was done. Now uh, they told me 
about, wait about six months, and then I should have it sealed to protect it. Now, it's $75 a chimney to get it sealed. So what they're talking about is a masonry sealer, and you probably don't need this. It's not like you need it to protect it. Usually you put sealers on if you're concerned about leaks. But um, if you are going to put a sealer on it, they're silicone-based, and you have to make sure that you use one that's vapor-permeable. Some of the older sealers, sealer products out there are not vapor-permeable, and that means that moisture gets in, it gets trapped under the surface of the concrete, and then it'll freeze and spall or crack, and that could actually accelerate the deterioration of the, of the, of the, um, of the, of the chimney itself. So if you use a good quality silicone sealer that's vapor-permeable, it can um, slow the absorption of moisture into the chimney, but I'm just not sure you need it. The kinds of things that you're talking about doing, except for the total restockling of the chimney. I don't know if I would have gone that far just to repair a crack. But the other things that you're talking about are all entirely expected. You know, having to repoint some mortar, having to repair a cracked uh, chimney uh, cap, a concrete cap around the chimney. Those are all normal. I don't necessarily think that putting a sealer on is going to have that much of a major effect of slowing down any further uh, deterioration. I think it's just sort of wear and tear. Okay, and if so if it's not vapor permeable, it could even harm it. That's correct. Exactly right, Lisa. So I, I should I should ask the mason then if it's you know, but he could tell me anything. He could say, yeah, it is. Well, it's very easy. Find out what product he's using and go look up the product online and read about it. But you're saying really it's it's probably not worth it. I don't know. It's whole, I, don't, I don't know that it's totally necessary unless the chimneys are leaking. I probably wouldn't do it. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Hey, do you need to take on a painting project and want to make sure it comes out right the first time? Well, there are just three things to do. Preparation, preparation, and preparation. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to tell you how to get this project done quick after this. You live in a body pit. Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone calls right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT presented by HomeAdvisor. You can get instantly matched with top-rated pros for any home project and book appointments online, all for free. And remember, while you're online, to post your question in the Money Pits community section, just like Marianne, who writes, I'm about to tackle my first interior painting project and don't want to wind up with the same rough-looking results I've seen in other homes. What painting prep steps should I do to make sure that my interior painting project turns out well? Good question, and glad to hear it now instead of after you've painted and wondering why the paint is not sticking to your walls, Marianne. So first of all, there's two things that most people don't do, and it has to do with the prep. First is cleaning the walls, right? I mean, think about all the things, all the contaminants in the air from the cooking smoke and the candles that you burn, all the stuff that happens inside of a house, right? That all leaves deposits on the walls. So you want to wash the walls down with a TSP solution. And that stands for tri-sodium phosphate. Now, a little trick of that and how to do that is I'll mix that up in a bucket 
and I'll use a brand new sponge mop with a brand new, like a new sponge on it. And this way it's easier than having to get up close to the walls and like rub them all by hand. You can use that mop as sort of your applicator and clean those walls. After it dries really, really well, then you want to prime the walls. Yes, priming. I know it's like an extra coat of paint, but it's totally necessary because it seals in all that surface and make sure that the next surface, which is the finished coat, flows on perfectly and wears very, very well. So don't skip the priming steps. This way you can do it once, you can do it right, and you can just enjoy it for many years to come. And then, Marianne, you can quietly enjoy on the inside that your house looks better than obviously the other people <laughs> whose houses you're going to that you don't like. <laughs> well, if you're only using your microwave to heat up leftovers, you might be missing out on some other very handy uses. Leslie's got some great microwave hacks in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, so you know that a microwave is a great appliance to have for heating up leftovers, but did you know that you can disinfect sponges and get rid of that funky smell with a microwave? Yeah, you can. All you got to do is soak that sponge in a water and vinegar mix and then zap it in the microwave for a minute. It's going to come out ridiculously hot, guys, so be really careful, but it will smell fantastic. Now, you can also do the same with a cutting board. All you have to do is rub a little lemon on it and then heat it for a minute, and you can say goodbye to all that bacteria from last night's raw chicken. Now, if you've ever found that your honey jar is a crystallized solid mess... You can bring it back to life on medium power for 30 seconds, and you can also cut grilling time by heating potatoes for two minutes and bell peppers for one before you put them on the grill. Again, things get ridiculously hot in the microwave, guys, so use oven mitts when you remove these things, otherwise you could get a seriously nasty burn. Now, another great tip is to use the microwave to warm up citrus fruits. Not only is this going to help release the juice when you're using them in recipes, but it also helps release the oils in the skin. So if you're zesting, you'll get a lot more beautiful fragrance coming out of that skin. And it's really wonderful if you're displaying your citrus fruits in a pretty bowl because it makes them smell just so lovely as is. I mean, they really become a natural air freshener. So keep heating those things, heat up your leftovers, heat up popcorn, all the things that you use your microwave for normally. But remember, you can do so much more with it. All right, now we've got Jack in Mississippi who redid his kitchen, has a new stove, but now has a ton of grease. Is it a ventilation issue? Probably. Most standard vent fans don't move enough air. You need to look at the CFM and find one that really moves some air, whether it's a recirculating or exhaust out. If you're not moving enough air, it's going to just end up on the walls and everything above the stove. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, do you have a backyard shed that's maybe a bit worse for wear? We're going to share how you can take it from eyesore to eye-popping on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.